0: podcast.
1: See something
2: really scary? You bet. Music, horror, Horror. art,
3: politics, and overall badass
1: movies. Welcome
3: to Kettle Whistle Radio for Real on Society 13 Networks.
4: And welcome to a very, very special episode of Kenny Whistle Radio, my fiends. Um, we have Bob Cranmer and Bobby Cranmer Jr. If you don't know who they are, you should know who they are. Um, Bob Cranmer and Eric Erica Manfred were the very people that actually, uh, the authors of The Demon of Brownsville Road, True Story. Okay, this is a great book, The Demon of Brownsville Road. True story, not far from my location whatsoever. Down the road a piece. ...as they say here. Um, It's a pleasure and an honor to have them come here. Uh, We have Bob and Bobby Jr., of course, Cranmer, coming in. Not Erica Manfred, but she, indeed, helped write the book for him, um, with him, as a matter of fact. Uh, There's a lot to announce here. We just came back from a great event uh, this past weekend, uh, the Wicked Library event at Rickard and Beagle Books, one of the best bookstores, if, if not the best bookstore... In the world, a uh, friend Chris Rickard, of course, of Rickard and Beagle Books, hosted the Wicked Library live event, which will be aired on Halloween. If you were there, you saw the amazement. Great stories! Oh my god, uh, two classics are told, and I believe it was five. Yeah, five by um, other authors, and all of them. It's so worth. Our, our own uh, Dan Foytek is involved as well, of course, uh, the guy from the Ninth Story podcast he has a hell of a story to tell and it's in his works as well uh great 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 show just i I was so happy to be there that was a good time uh so tune into the wicked library definitely on halloween and check it out before that if you haven't already and you're horror fans you're crazy you're missing out and Ms. Taddy is late. Okay, we have tonight, we got Full House, okay, we got the Cranmers, and we have uh, Ms. D., of course, and uh, Heather Taddy will be here when she shows up. Not her fault. Right now in Pittsburgh, every road is being constructed on, and I say that with the slightest bit of anger. You can't get anywhere, period. <laughs> All right, so anyway, that being said, uh, my buddies Talon Singaris and I, we will be in Syracuse this weekend, okay, starting Friday uh, for the Friday the 13th Film Festival, 35mm, our buddy Jeff Meyer hosting uh, this film festival, and we will be there selling our wares. We've got many a book, and Mr. Stallone has uh, lots of books, and as well as autographed pictures of the movie coming out, Belly Timber, about cannibals in the 1800s, cannibals versus pioneers. Belly Timber is a term, a Scottish term, right? Scottish. Um, meaning hungry so anyway that's Syracuse this weekend folks if you're going to be there uh, please hit us up man it's at the Palace Theatre let's see here the actual location I have the location here it's at the Palace Theatre if you're in the Syracuse area two uh, yeah, uh 2384 James Street Syracuse, New York and check out the films and, and I believe um, it ends on Saturday with the Rocky Horror Picture Show for that is the Tommy Jarvis story arcs of uh, Friday the 13th and um, as always uh, let's see God, we got so much going on here uh, we have next week uh, Dava Shewolf from Star and Dagger that is Shawnee Salt's new band A little remember she was in a little band called White Zombie, Shawnee Salt, she's the bass player um, yeah Dava Shewolf will be on next week we'll be playing some Star and Dagger for you which we have been on the path to halloween very 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 fitting and uh as always i'm at fairly dark um let's see here one more announcement on my buddy here now heather and i are going to be in a film hosting um forces of horror which will be probably released in 2016 we're the host of a i'd say as actually um four films and recently my buddy here roger Sampson, he's the director Putting this thing together, he um, says here, Very excited to announce Rawhead, which is one of the films, has been made an official selection of the Macabre Fair Film Festival in New York. Congratulations, Roger. We are putting our script together and we'll be shooting, I don't know, hopefully in November. And very excited to announce that. Um, Let's get down to business here with uh, our friends Bob Cramer and Bobby Cramer Jr. And welcome to The Demon of Brownsville Road, a very, very special Episode of Kettle Whistle Radio. Thanks for listening, folks.
3: Burning Ball Publishing
5: presents the next step in evolution of horror. David J. Fairheads. The Fall of Tomorrow. The Fall of Tomorrow is a tale of desperation told by those who are striving to salvage some hope against a ravenous fashion of evil bent on ruling our world. Burning Ball Publishing presents The Fall of Tomorrow by David J. Fairhead. Available May 1st at Amazon.com and at publishing.com
4: Okay, all right, folks, friends, and fiends, thank you so much for tuning in to a very special episode. Actually, a serious episode, which is tough to do with me and Heather these days. Um, I've got some very special guests here today. We have uh, Mr. Bob Cranmer. And uh, his son, Bobby, Bobby Cranmer Jr. Okay, now we're talking The Demon of Brownsville Road. If you're familiar with the story, it's been on TV. We just recently, I was informed was on a uh, Paranormal Witness, apparently. Um, Heather will chime in later with a little bit of the PRS stuff that was said. But The Demon of Brownsville Road uh, by Bob Cranmer and Erica Manfred. Um, just welcome, first of all, and thank you. I met you at a horror realm. I'm honored that you guys could be here in our studio.
3: Thank oh. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. We're, we're happy for the publicity.
4: Well, that's what, yeah, I'm here to help you sell this book, of course, but it sounds like I don't need to help you with anything. Uh, the book sells itself. It was like in Barnes & Noble on the employee pick of the month or the week. I'm like, I think it was the month, and uh that's when uh, Heather went in to buy it as well. Now, I, you dedicated this book to your family, your wife and your children, and also to um, Connie Valenti. I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about her a little bit, too. But um, after everything you went through, I got to tell you personally, Mr. Kramer, you're, you're a hero of mine. And not since my grandpa Phil, who was in World War II on the New Mexico, have I even come close to meeting someone of your stature and what you dealt with and how you dealt with it. So, I, how, how did? You, where do we begin with this?
3: <laughs> um, <clears throat> that's a, a question I get all the time, and it, it certainly uh, is relevant as to why we decided to stay. And, and, face this, this fiend, this entity, you know, what, whatever you want to call it, this demonic force. Um, and, uh, I, I guess it's, it's not a simple answer, uh, other than the fact that, uh, I guess first and foremost, this was our, our house. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we didn't, uh, uh, plan to stay there for just a few years. It was our house, our home. And just in my own personality, I'm, I'm not one to take uh, kindly to something or someone saying you have to leave your house, it's our home. Um, two, uh, my wife and I both uh, had or have a, a strong faith mm-hmm. in God and in good and in righteousness and uh, felt that... This thing being evil could ultimately be overcome by good through the power of God. And thirdly, I think also uh, very important is that um, I couldn't see, we own the problem. I couldn't Mm -hmm. see, you know, putting this house up for sale and in turn selling it to some other unsuspecting Mm -hmm. buyer or family like it was sold to us. You said that in the book. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. our, it was our problem. Uh we we had to deal with it. I was uh, determined we would deal with it. Now, how we dealt with it was uh is 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 the story. I mean, when it first started, uh, when this thing finally really unmasked itself for for what it was, um, mm. h- how do you how do you deal with something like this supernatural? And uh, it took me some time uh to find the right people the right techniques uh it certainly did. the knowledge yeah. the, the, within the Catholic church um and 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 for them it was a learning experience as well because uh things that generally work uh were not working with mm-hmm. this particular mm-hmm. entity yes so, Bobby where Bobby
4: Jr where do you come in with all this like when did you start looking at your father as a hero and say wait wait why didn't we just leave
2: what <laughs> Oh man! Um, I
4: know it wasn't easy. I read the book.
2: Yeah, growing up, uh, growing up there, and then when everything was, uh, you know, really at its peak, uh, I wasn't as determined as he was. Uh, definitely had a. We we need to just get out of here and get away from this. But um, at the same time, you know, it really wasn't just attached to the house. You know, you could kind of sense it with you. You know, so um, you know, it really had to be dealt with, I guess you could say, and, and uh, you know, we supported him through it, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was definitely a, definitely a rocky road, mm-hmm. but um, I, I don't know, I don't know. It, it was a tough, tough experience. It brought you closer now, you think? Oh, no question. Okay, no, no question. I mean, it's easy looking back on it now, but, um, you know, when, when we were going through it at the time, it, it wasn't, you know... Wasn't as easy as, as people people think. Right. It was definitely definitely a, and, a tough journey.
3: You know, they they weren't as focused on it as as I was or my wife. Um, th- they were still being affected by it mm-hmm. and part of uh, the battle, so to speak. Especially mm-hmm. uh, Bobby and his younger brother Charlie. Charlie so yeah. they they were uh, being affected by it. They were casualties, so to speak, and. It was up, uh, you know, kind of up to me to keep a clear head and a, and a clear mind and focused upon, uh, what had to be done because it was clearly focused upon me. Uh, I know it, 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 it felt, I'm sure, that if it could demoralize me and, and, uh, um uh, in a, in a way, um, uh, Make me veer off of determ- determination to see it through that it would in fact win, and mm-hmm. and I can say that uh, at one point th- that looked to be the case.
4: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, th- it, there was such a horribly rich history. I, I grew up on Long Island and the Amityville Horror House, and all that was very popular back then among other places. But the the rich history behind this house, I mean, there was like three things that stick out more than the oak tree. Number one, with the mother and the three children that were slaughtered by Indians. Okay. You had that. On top of that, you have the um when it was under construction, the curse laid on it by a European construction well, worker. You did read this. Book. Oh yeah, <laughs> man. I can't even tell you. Uh the, the Malik's that lived there yes. and he was in love with the wife of the rich husband Mr. Malik and jealous and put a curse on the basement or what in the the den area that was found, is that yes. what it was? And the third part that the most disturbing to me was the uh the doctor with the illegal abortions and basically killing children in late term. All that, I mean, it just does open the doorway. I've heard about portals, but you tell me, uh, the door of sorrows, is that what it was called? Um,
3: yeah, that was a very interesting, um, development because, uh, Connie Valente, who you had yeah. mentioned before, the, uh, intuitive. the intuitive, m- mystical type woman who could see into the past and, and guided us, uh, talked of this door door of sorrows uh, that uh, uh, led to what uh, was an entrance to the back of the house at one point that had been uh, walled over and covered up completely, and uh, the only reason I knew that the door was still there is that uh, we had taken down the inner wall of a particular room to input insulation in, and I saw the door was still there Mm. in the wall. It had just been simply covered up. And, and that's what we did. Uh, we insulated around it, covered it back up again. So I knew the door was there only because of that. And when she told me about this door and specifically where the door was in the back of the house, Mm. and it was exactly where that door is inside the wall, uh, absolutely amazing. You know, that's Mm -hmm. just one of the many, many um, amazing, blew me away. Uh, uh, facts that she would point out about the house, details about the house uh, that that turned out to be, you know, spot on accurate.
4: And were you both skeptics at first, dealing with, so- with somebody that not doesn't want to be called a psychic, but wants to be an intuitive? You were going through Father Ron, correct? He was.
3: Well, I, I can say that that, and this is strange. And again, if you, you read the book, you understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this information was given to me. Piecemeal uh, hmm. over the telephone yep. by Father Ron Languin. I had no idea where he was getting this detailed information. And initially, I thought maybe he was working from some kind of record or file yeah. that they had on the house. But then, as the de- information beca- became more detailed as to the exact layout of the rooms, um, certain aspects of the room, like uh, you know the wallpaper. Uh, what color it was, um, uh, certain pieces of furniture—it uh, it just became bizarre. Now, I didn't find out about this woman named Connie Valente really until after it was all over, and and we were actually writing the book.
4: Yeah, I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about her or not, but that was amazing. Towards the yeah. end, there's more amazement towards the end of the book,
3: but because I, I I really point that out in the epilogue. Uh, and mm-hmm. in turn, found out that she, her talents, her uh, you know gifts, were used uh, to assist the priests that were involved with us mm-hmm. uh, throughout the battle. Whether it was the priest in the house, or if it was the uh, uh, the Penn State uh, paranormal group that came in to help, mm-hmm. or uh, just uh, in, in guiding me and giving me the details about what happened in the house most of which i was able to then verify amazing um, so uh, at least 90 percent of uh, what i was told uh, by connie i was able to verify as being correct
4: amazing uh, and uh, bob you I, i'm not sure where we, uh, your father claimed your children know, the children were casualties would you would you say you were more influenced than say possessed by the thing? Because I mean, um, bad decision making. I mean, we all grow up. You know, I was into heavy metal too. I mean, well, <laughs> the, the
2: the thing about it, um, the whole the whole story, it, it's you know, there's like two years of my life that I really like don't remember uh, from like 16 to around 18. That's you know, that's, um, yeah. I have like foggy memories here and there, and, and other other things that happen. Um, as far as being casualties, I think like like prisoners of war would almost be a way to to say it. I mean, we'd come home, and he he wouldn't tell us much of what was going on or what it was that he was doing. We'd get bits and pieces of information. Right. Um, when uh, Parano- when Penn State was at the house, yeah. uh, we we weren't allowed to be there. They told us to go stay at friends' oh, house that for right? a couple of days. Okay. Like they they were really concerned about what this thing could do to us while they were doing you know battle with it so it it was really kind of protect us from everything that was going on. A lot of the stuff that happened we didn't learn about till till years later they would fill us in on oh well, this has happened, and uh you know bits and pieces of information here and there, but a lot of it during the real peak points of it i don't I don't really remember so I don't know to say if it was influence if it was uh, possession. I, I don't. I don't know what to call it. Um,
4: Influence. I, people that are sick uh, for a period of time, uh, whether it's cancer or otherwise, they lose those months, those years. I know that for a fact, and uh, it's it's a blackout period. And so you were sick, sick yeah. with this, uh, you know, infected.
2: I've, I've talked to people about it, and, and uh, you know, a, a, a psychiatrist at one time, a therapist was mm. like, you know, I, I, this doesn't make sense to me. Why? Why is there this this void in my memory? All the
4: time, and yeah.
2: uh, they say that they the, what they told me it was was uh my mind protecting me from something you yeah. kind of just black out memories um i'm not sure how how to put it other than that's that That's perfect. You know? No,
4: that's how uh, I I I you know, met victims of uh, numerous types of, whether it's abuse or uh, you're the first in the demonic sense, but uh abuse, sickness, whatever, that, yeah, the brain protects us by blocking it out. So that that makes perfect sense, even more so now after I read the book. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break right now, and we'll come back here, uh, get you guys something to drink here, I think. And uh, i got to get a rick of life in my breath here, because uh, <laughs> I'm just getting over this cold thing. Don't worry, guys, you can't get it. But we'll be right back with uh, Bob Kramer and Bobby Kramer Jr.
1: The critically acclaimed author of Demons, Dolls, and Milkshakes returns with 15 tales of horror and suspense. With everything here is a nightmare. From zombies in the Old West, to a young boy tempted by the devil, from vampires with romantic longing, to an abandoned lighthouse haunted by a vengeful spirit, from a serial killer getting unholy justice, to an haunted English race car, Nelson W. Piles invites you to explore the landscape of fear, suspense, and horror. Take his hand and hold on tight. Remember that whatever you find there, whatever you see, no matter what you might think it could be, know this. Everything here is a nightmare. By Nelson W. Piles. Available in paperback and Kindle at Amazon.com. By Burning Bowl Publishing.
4: And we are back folks, and we are joined in the studio with our lovely assistant Ms D Hello. With, <laughs> with Bob Cranmer and Bobby Cranmer Jr. and I wanted to ask Bobby before we took off there um, when all this started, and we were breaking microphones <laughs> <Sorry. That's me. laughs> um, When did you first become aware that something was unnatural uh, and wrong? What was the first hint and I, was it you that was affected first
2: um Jesus, man, the first the first time. Or was it uh, Charlie? No, 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 it was me. Okay. Um, you know, it, it 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 all started basically from you know when we moved in. Um, it was real young, you know. We moved in; I was three years old. Um, I just always remember growing up and just being terrified in my room, mm. uh, never wanting to be in it. Um, you know, for years growing up, I slept. Slept in the closet for a period of time. Yes. Uh, it was right, a big yeah. closet. I mean, maybe about half the size, mm. you know, of here, but, um, you know, enough room in there for, for like, a little crib mattress or something. Uh, and just stayed in there with the light on and want to go in the room. Um, never really knew why, just mm. didn't like it. Mm. Um, but we all kind of knew, you know, right from the beginning that something was off with it, but...
4: And, um you and Charlie were you the first to have a change in your personality yes okay yes what was that like for you is that part of the what you don't remember or do you remember the changing
2: um I just remember being uh angry very angry a lot um i, I don't know there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that were going on i I, I don't talk about too much um but it, it was just very very odd wow well, <clears throat>
3: It, it, it certainly was easier for us to see, being adults at the time, and here you're dealing with yeah. little children, but we could, uh, especially with Bobby, my wife and I, could see the changes in him over those first few years that we lived, uh, lived in the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, as the paranormal activity began just weeks after we uh, moved into the house, again, initially, uh, as I point out in the book, we, we didn't think it was threatening at all. It was just once we got over the fact that this was happening, and yeah. we were living in the house with some type of spirit. Again, we just we just concluded that as long as it didn't, we didn't bother it, and it didn't bother us. We would just peacefully coexist with it. You um, actually used
4: the term Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah, so you we, thought it was just yeah. a little, yeah,
3: yeah a a, a uh, just some ghost of a previous resident or something, um, which is common. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but we we did. I did not know that there was a lot more to it uh, that would eventually, you know, come to light mm-hmm. as it unmasked itself even mm-hmm. more. Right.
4: That's and actually, you and Bobby had altercation that got you out of the house for two and a half months. Uh, that so it was splitting you apart as well.
3: Well, yeah, it did affect all of us in our own in our own ways. Our personalities. Uh, my wife in 1996 had what amounted to a full nervous breakdown. Mm. Um, at, at the time, uh, again, I, I did not attribute it to the spirit entity that lived in the house with us. Uh, again, the children were affected. The older they got, the f- closer they reached adolescence, the more out of control they became. Uh, again, at the time, initially, I just thought it was natural Adolescent Rebellion mm-hmm. it, it went much deeper than that and eventually I came to see as all this came together my own personality and when I was home, when I was in the house uh, I was uh, always uh, kind of like a volcano mm. ready to explode mm. uh, whereas when I was gone, when I was at work when I was with other people, I was fine uh, so it did have this, created this, this tension uh, within our family, um, that affected us when we were in the house. And, and okay. Ms. D, I, we
4: were, I'm sorry, I was
3: gonna go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but, um,
4: we were talking to Bobby earlier, Bobby Jr. here about, um, he, he had, two years of his life was blocked, blacked out. He doesn't remember anything. Right. We, we discussed when people go through certain
0: Yeah, just like, trauma. cause it was so traumatic.
4: Yeah, you know, we've um, known people, you know, like, and yeah, they don't remember.
2: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, there, there was one, uh, One time I remember we had this get-together and I was talking about not going to my high school graduation for for whatever reason. And I remember I started got into an argument with my sister because she was like, you went to it. I remember. I remember going and everything. And no, I didn't. I I know I didn't go to it. I remember going there. And eventually she pulled out a picture. And it's me in the cap and gown with my cousin Joseph and my uh, brother Charlie. And it just, like... It was like a shell shocker. Like, all, all the memories wow. of it just came <laughs> back to me all at once. Um, wow. But a, a lot of stuff like that, that, you know, I don't think of or uh, I don't recall until somebody really digs it into my head and they're mm-hmm. like, no, this happened, remember, right. like, wow. it, it'll come wow. back to me after that. But
3: Plus, at the time, too, they were under uh, doctor's care, uh, were on various uh, uh, medications, uh, that I think clouded their memory, clouded their judgment, their personalities even more uh, in in trying to settle them down to uh, uh, you know affected affected their whole um, state of mind.
4: So it's gonna, how much of that was the balance of the, the medication and the treatment,
3: and how much of that was the demon,
4: the spirit, yes, yeah.
3: working on them.
4: Yeah, it's right. a, a combination, or one led to the other. Yes.
3: Back and forth, as I said, two of them were in and out of Western Western Psychiatric mm-hmm. Hospital numerous times. Yeah, that was in the book
4: as well. I wasn't sure if you wanted to touch on that. Um, the, uh, your, uh, you had an aunt. She was 88 years old passed yes. away in the house. Um, do you place blame on
3: that? That was just a, a really strange, strange situation. We had this big... Uh, explosion within the family one night, hmm. uh, where a fight broke out between myself and my two sons, Bobby Jr. and Charlie. Uh, the police were involved. I was arrested, went to, went to jail. Um, and then the next morning I find out that, uh, as you pointed out, our, my 88 year old aunt that moved in with us after my mother died. Um, she was living with us for several years. And the next morning after that event took place, my wife find, found her dead mm. in her bed. Um, now, uh, did she have a heart attack? Uh, was it just from the stress or trauma? Or did this uh, demonic entity that was really running rampant in the house that night uh, do something to her? Right. But nonetheless, the next morning she was dead. Yeah,
0: wow.
2: The thing about that, that whole thing I, I always tell people about to kind of give them a better idea of what happened, you know, prior to the, the altercation, I mean, me and him spent all afternoon out driving in, in his Mercedes that That's he right. had. That's right, he had a good day. Right? Dad, yeah, uh, went for this long ride, L-51, out, out, by, out by Uniontown, you know, good sure. You know, father-son thing. And maybe 15 minutes into being back in the house, you know.
0: It, kind of it, it was like a
2: bomb just went off.
0: Goes back to the point you guys were talking about where when you were in the house, that thing worked on you. Yes. Yeah. And kind of, you know, drove wedges <laughs> between people and tried to separate them. We
4: got into the history yeah. of it a little bit too where it just, it, that, there was so much that happened before they moved in there. And like I me, mean, is- we were talking, Ms. D and I, like we can't believe the history and you guys, and, and you, Mr. Kramer, just the fact that you would be on the offensive a lot. You, uh, You would go in your office and you knew it was there. It followed you there and you were confrontational. And I guess you were supposed to do that in the end. And I don't know if we're going to talk about the big revelation at the end there. Maybe, maybe not. I could always edit. I can always edit it. (laughs) But, um, it just, uh, yeah, I I can't. And you had ties politically. You had everything to lose by coming forward. That's what amazes me how still stoic you remain through all this it's just an amazing story to me and thank god it turned out the way it did but right. still it, it like you said there were casualties
3: well i don't think the story is over yet okay uh, really um uh I, I think this story is bigger than us and bigger than what just happened in the house because uh, you know ultimately you know, the purpose of writing the book uh is just not to tell a you know amityville's horror, right, right haunted house scary house demonic story um, the underlying uh, point of the book is the existence uh of good and the existence of evil apart mm-hmm. from good and evil that you know emanate from individuals there is a god there is a devil right satan lucifer uh fallen angels mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think it brings some clarity to things like this shooter uh in this community college here uh 2 weeks ago mm-hmm. or to uh, you know, 15 year old in a, in a local high school who one day took a butcher knife to school and stabbed 20 of his classmates. Yeah, the dead this, behind the eyes. Yeah, this, this right. inexplicable, uh, you know, just violent, uh, hateful actions that explode out of people goes beyond mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as I, as I point out in many of the talks I give, uh, I, I think the, 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 most relevant or, or cl- clear example, uh, that you can point to is, uh, what happened in Germany during the 1930s. Here mm-hmm. you had a country that was the most educated, sophisticated, mm-hmm. culturally advanced, uh, uh, society, uh, in history. And, uh, you know, Bach, Beethoven, uh, all the social programs, government, and within a few years, you know, they're rounding people up and putting them in gas chambers right. and burning them. That's, that's unbelievable. How does that happen? Mm. You know, a whole society. It's evil. Evil is real. So the underlying message of the book is, you know, whatever you want to believe or not believe, science and ancient aliens and all this other stuff, it comes down to there's a god, <laughs> there's a devil, and everything is true. Uh, there, there's this this unseen world around us that's inhabited by you know uh, spirits. It's there, and there's a war for the souls of mankind. And uh, they may, th- you know, someone hearing this may say, "Well, the guy's a preacher. He's a religious zealot." No, it's no, the truth. No, it's the truth. Yeah. Like it or not, it's the truth. That's the message of the book. I was I,
4: brought up an Italian Catholic uh, in New York, and believe me, we were <laughs> we were taught that. That's how I was brought up, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm a believer. And,
3: and I and I think as this story, uh, you know, gains more attention and people read the book, I hope I wrote it with that uh, conclusion to have people think, stop. Wh- wh- what am I all about as a human? What is my existence about? And I think so many young people these days who don't have any foundation in faith in God, they really don't know what's right and what's wrong, like maybe we did as we grew up. Boy, I think we both agree on that. Yeah, right.
0: right. I mean, I think that there's a lot of people with, I mean, and I, it doesn't matter what, orga- if you believe in organized religion, if you're, you know, a spiritual person without an organized, you know, church, whatever, but if, if you don't have faith, that gets you through a lot of things, mm-hmm. wherever your faith lies, um, you know, which I think I, that's kind of what I took from the book, is like, I mean, you guys really got through many, many things, and it, it, it was that resounding faith, I think, that yes, was my opinion that got you guys as a family, How, many years, How many
4: years? How many years? What did this last? Was it two thousand and five? Well,
3: or, it it uh, you know the battle itself uh, um, started in late two thousand and three. Okay, when I when I came back from my court imposed exile, so two thousand and three December uh, until February of two thousand and six. Wow, That's and we long. Are, <laughs> you know, people a, a lot of people like,
4: there. have been yeah. asking, and he answered this earlier on. Um, That you know, uh, why did you stay there? And he said he had a duty to stay there and not sell it to another group or another family to go through it, which he says in the book as well, which is amazing.
3: And I and I and I do think that you know, as as I was there, as this thing was engaged, Hmm. as battle was engaged, Hmm. it got very bad because it was fighting. We were fighting it; it was fighting us. So I think that things got much more intense and much more serious than they ever were before or would have been with someone else if they just slowly try to coexist with this thing as it messes with your mind. And when we pushed against it, that's when it got crazy.
4: And two, right. you um, you did the, what uh, everybody says. Well, why didn't you, you know, leave it? You did go, or rather, you know, your sister Jessica yeah. left with the, the children. And she left, yeah, and it's right. still you, towards the end there, or, uh, close to the end of the book. It followed her there. You you were disturbed to find out it was there. Yeah, it?
3: it it followed her for a time to the to the house that I rented for them.
4: And that's something I I asked actually Heather cuz she worked in the paranormal state for a while. Like, you ever bring anything home? Oh, no. No. Most people say no. Um and then there was another incident. when you went to Nantucket, did it follow you there? No. Uh
3: that, no. It it didn't. Um, okay. Uh, we 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 had a house at Coneaut Lake oh, okay. for years and uh things happened there. Okay. Um, okay. so it in some way followed us there. And it's it's also interesting that um uh, not directly related uh, to what happened in the house, but the week before this most recent television program aired yeah. on the Sci-Fi Paranormal Channel, Witness, yeah, folks. Paranormal Witness. Um, we uh, experienced uh, a paranormal activity at our farmhouse up near Meadville one night. And uh, uh, Connie said that uh, it wasn't specifically related to what happened in the house, but it was evil in general mm. reacting to... This story being told. Wow. Okay. Okay. We're wow. going to get into that actually. After I'm
4: going to take a quick break here. Um, I was going to ask you guys. We when we get, what we'll get into is um, bringing all this back to the surface. Is it?
0: That was one of my questions. Go ahead. Like, I mean, do you, you know, because you guys, I, I think you're very brave in even talking about it. Just I because I rosary, would be afraid. I say the rosary <laughs> that, every every morning, you
3: know. and I have a whole series of very intense prayers. Okay. Uh, that I, that I pray in the morning and at night before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. So, okay. and, and their prayers, uh, designed for an exorcist mm-hmm. to, to, to pray for protection from evil spirits. Oh, I mean, ever okay. since it came out, you know, talking about it now often, going to all the books, the signings
2: and everything. I mean, it's kind of like, personally, it's kind of like giving me some like empowerment over the whole thing. Because mm-hmm. for years, we didn't yeah. pay, you know, no acknowledgement right. to it. You know, initially, uh, like the first draft of the book, we didn't want our names used in it. Um, you know, but being able to talk openly and everything about it now—it's it like take it alleviates some of the, good. the pain from it. I'm
4: glad so, to hear that. That would have been a question I had for you. I'm glad to hear that's that. That's a good
0: thing then. So yeah. then something positive came out just for yourself internally. You know,
4: yeah, for I your guess own the, the biggest defense the devil had was uh, that he wasn't known to exist. So now he knows. I, I mean, you know, and you've, you're coming forward with it. That gives you empowerment. I mean, and unfortunately, uh, people have to know that it exists. But, he loses his power that way, I think. And these demons do too. Uh, we're gonna get back into this in a little bit. Quick break here. And, uh, again, uh, thank you for listening to Kettle Whistle Radio, and we're talking the demon of Brownsville Road. Alright, and we'll get right back to you. Fire away.
3: Okay, here we go. Hey, I'm Joe Lynch, and you are listening to Kettle Whistle Radio with Dave. Six Mothers (laughs) Back.
2: I'm not afraid of the dark, but you
1: should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen.
5: With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker. With dwelling in the dark, eleven stories. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work.
2: Still
1: here? Okay. Let's play a game
4: <laughs> and we're back again folks with both Bob Cranmer and Bob Cranmer jr talking the demon of Brownsville Road very interesting topic very serious topic and not as lighthearted as we're used to in this room the, no. <laughs> Um <laughs> well we hit on something of course off air and uh, what was that
0: oh yeah uh, we were just talking about what got the Catholic Church involved and uh, they were involved because there's a lot of um, Know, pe- people in the Catholic Church that are pretty high up also that were involved in your case?
3: Um, <clears throat> well, at the time in, in 2003, as I said, this thing unmasked itself. And when I say unmasked itself, it it wasn't disguising its presence anymore. I mean, you had, you had objects flying through the air and smashing against the wall and uh, furniture being moved, and it, it was very intense and very, it was kind of like, Living with the Invisible Man, you never knew what was going to happen next. So I became quite alarmed at this activity, and as you say in the movie, "Who are you going to call?"
5: <laughs> you know,
3: what are you going to do? I, I wish I could have called the Ghostbusters, um, but unfortunately, that that was just a movie. So uh, you know, I I, I knew that uh, I was not Catholic. At the time, I was an evangelical Christian. I uh, went to church right out here in Library, PA, or um, uh, near Finleyville. Uh, I, I knew that the Catholic Church, from the movie The Exorcist and so on, uh, claimed to have uh, some authority and uh, 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 rituals and different things to deal with uh, the demonic. Uh, you know, I've seen the movies and Uh, so that's, I contacted some local Catholic priests who I was told, uh, by some nuns at a local convent, uh, were adept at, uh, dealing with spiritual activity. Uh, so I went to the St. Paul's uh, Monastery on 18th Street in the south side and, uh, two priests began to come to the house on a pretty regular basis, about once a week and perform various blessings and rituals and uh, would celebrate Mass. And things really didn't get any better. In fact, it, it got worse as this spirit began to push back at, at uh, this activity that was being directed against it. Um, <clears throat> so finally, uh, a close friend of mine, uh, and uh, a- a- at the time from my political days, was the mayor of Pittsburgh at the uh Tom Murphy and I was a very close friend of his close enough that I would tell him what was happening with the family and and uh and uh, uh in the house in fact I stayed at his house for a time when I was uh court ordered out uh during late 2003 so he he said that he <coughs> was going to see go and talk to uh the bishop of the diocese Donald Worrell and uh, relate to him what we were going through. And I said, by all means, do that. So he went, uh, talked to Bishop Worrell, and in a few days uh, got back to me and told me that a priest would be calling me at home on a certain night at a particular time. And uh, uh, when the phone rang, it was a very well-known priest, at least locally, by the name of Father Ron Langwood. And Father Ron was assigned by the bishop to manage uh all of the activities surrounding our case as it as it turned out to be and to manage uh, the church resources and uh how the church would be involved uh and thus began our uh epic adventure so to speak if that's what you would call it uh he did say um that it was very serious and it would be intense and um in a year if we decided to engage it it would be a year before we would know if progress was being made not wow, something that long not something i wanted to hear uh i, rem- and, I remember that from the book mm-hmm. yeah and he he also said you know it was like in the movie the matrix mm-hmm. uh the red pill the blue pill you have d- a decision to make uh, either you can leave this house and sell it and you know wish the people you know sell it to someone and move on and wish for the best which was done to you yeah or stay mm-hmm. and uh and confront it and we will stand with you um so the church did stand with us uh managed the process even though much of the battle had to be waged by by us by my wife by myself and um um uh, eventually uh aided me uh aided us and uh uh, what surprised me the most, though, is that the Diocese of Pittsburgh was very willing and open uh, to be public and forthcoming about their involvement and uh, to stay, state publicly uh, for the media that the story is accurate, uh, that it's uh, credible, and that the way the diocese is represented in the book is absolutely correct. They stand behind it, and Bishop mm. Worrell is now a cardinal of the church. Right. So for those skeptics, um, <laughs> you know whatever whatever you know a, a credibility the the church has, and for some it's not much, uh, but you do have. A number of people involved in this and a former mayor of Pittsburgh and mm-hmm. you know, I'm a former political figure. I certainly had nothing to gain, excuse me, by coming forth with this story from the standpoint of. That's for sure. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I've spent more money writing this book than I've made from it. I hope in the end I make some money. Uh, but, but nonetheless, I didn't do it for money. I mm-hmm. did it to tell the story. Right.
4: Well, you, you mentioned two things here. I have a, listeners and fans of yours that uh, text me questions every now and then and um oddly enough uh this is uh my buddy uh Ken Lex he's a teacher actually and he said it was okay to say that um <laughs> he uh, says uh what do you what do you say to skeptics of the paranormal regarding cases like this and you already answered that that question the the proof is in the pudding right there in the book so that's right and I to...
3: and I I would be willing to discuss debate argue and stand up for this story with Christopher Hitchens, whoever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, come on. Let's, well, uh, on a lighter
4: note, Ken also it. says, "Is there some if there's something strange in your neighborhood, who should you call?" I couldn't believe <laughs> the you Catholic said that. Catholic
3: Church. <laughs> I, I just
4: can't believe you said that. He he did that to, uh, anyway. Um, he had one more here from Ken. Um, How does one begin investigating a case like this one? What research goes into starting a case like this? You have to get the proof first, I guess, from like the PRS group.
3: Or... <clears throat> well, um, what what proof had to be documented and verified uh, was before an exorcist, a very famous exorcist, uh, Father James Labar, um, who has been affiliated with a whole number of uh, uh, paranormal exorcism over the years and been on television and so on. Uh, he came from the diocese, archdiocese of New York and uh, the Pittsburgh Diocese at the time did not have a trained exorcist on staff. They do now. Um, to have the request for him to come, they had to go through uh, a whole series to vet this story to, to verify that they were actually dealing with the demonic. So part of that vetting process or verification was to bring in a non-affiliated... Outside organization to verify that there was, quote, crazy stuff going on in the house <laughs> and that we weren't the ones who were crazy. This was, in fact, happening. And the one group. That- oh,
4: speaking of crazy, we were just joined by somebody. Hi. I'm so um, sorry. This is uh, Miss Heather Taddy. We were just Hi. talking about uh, crazy it? stuff and demonic experts. Oh, yeah. So you have perfect. really good timing. Yeah.
5: Well, perfect time for me-
4: Yes indeed. Edmund As a matter of fact. Hi,
5: Bobby, right? Yes. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet
4: you. We were dealing with the Pittsburgh traffic situation. It took
5: me to, I left my store at five. It took me to I, I, I believe you. I believe you. Okay. Here, cool. you guys, right here. Okay. Yeah. So, go ahead, I'm sorry.
4: Okay. <laughs> it doesn't get more real than this, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's interesting she should
3: come in at this time. Yeah, we're just, it we was perfect were, time. We were, uh, uh, we were directed, or I was directed at the time, uh, by Father Langwin to uh to contact uh the head of this group at Penn State University uh called the Paranormal Research Society. And okay. uh it was a group of students, graduate students, who investigated uh the paranormal. And I spoke with the head of the group at the time before they were famous, um, before they had a television show, uh Ryan Buell, and uh had uh, several conversations with Ryan in um uh, let's see it would be late 2004. And they in fact came uh, to the house in January and February of 2005. Spent two weekends in the house. About 10 of them uh, came in uh, over the weekend, uh, wired the house up with, you know, uh, cameras and heat sensors and infrared devices and everything you could think of that you use to document paranormal activity. And I, I have to hand it to them. They they did an excellent job and I believe helped us really, how can I put it, flush this thing out. Uh, and uh, from that point, it, if there was any turning point in the battle, so to speak, it was their involvement in helping us flush it out so it could be uh, confronted more directly.
5: That's good. I'm glad. That <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because I knew there was a connection with the Paranormal Research Society in the book, but I didn't know what exactly, ca- what exactly case it was. But I remember I joined the group in September of 2006. And they always, like, around that time, they, had, they investigated your case, and then they had another one in Pittsburgh. And both of them were really serious, and they always referred to these cases in our, um, you know, I took classes and stuff with the group. So in our training materials, we always had, um, you know, there were things referenced to this case. And then I was reading, and it said they referred to it as Hellmouth, and I was like, oh my god! It all came together that that was the book I was reading was based. Yeah, so.
3: Well, I have to say, you know, I had a I had a uh, <clears throat> agreement with uh, Mister Buell that uh, he he could refer to what took place, mm-hmm. he could talk about what they experienced, but he could not uh, identify us more than a house in Pittsburgh. Right. And and he held to that agreement, and I said, until I give you the word, because I wasn't sure if I was going to write the story or not. I certainly didn't seek publicity uh, for this when it was taking place. No. And uh, it, it took a number of years before I was even comfortable with the idea of co- becoming public about this yeah. uh, and talking about it. So... Uh, I wrote, uh, I wrote the book in 2007, uh, 2008, and then began the process of trying to publish it, and that took a number of years as well.
5: I really enjoyed the book. I'm oh, reading you. it a second time actually. Thank because you. I usually she do that read that with it books
3: in 2 days, right? It was like two um, no. Oh, okay. The
5: majority of it I did read in 2 days, but it probably took me a week to finish the whole book. But I it, I liked how you explored like the history of Pittsburgh, the history of your neighborhood and you kind of went back to when you were young and how the house kind of always fascinated you. I really liked it. It was great.
4: Referring to the, the scratch marks when that started, who was the first person that got attacked with the scratch marks? The three, you know, that, that, that they, where they mock the Trinity. That was, was that
3: was me. That was you. Who got and, it first. Uh, you know what's what's interesting? I had another interview this afternoon. And you I did. Point, I, I pointed out.
4: Well, I'm that, jealous now. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> I, I, I pointed out that these scratch marks. Um, uh, it it made no difference if you were wearing clothes or mm-hmm. not. Like okay, so I have on uh, a pajama, you know, shirt. Um, the scratches initially started the first uh, set started under my right ear mm. and went diagonally down across my chest, my neck across my chest Jeez. now I had my shirt buttoned up, but the scratch marks you know I had an ex- my neck was exposed mm. but it continued right down through across my chest like my shirt wasn't there wow. so obviously no. these things can defy uh, you know the laws of uh uh, of physics, and you know right. walk through walls and scratch through things and so on and and uh, but uh, I experienced the the scratch marks uh, my uh, my other son David did on a regular basis. Uh, Bobby uh, had bite marks at Jeez. one point on his stomach, and my wife was bitten too at one point. Man.
4: Did you feel it as it was happening, or was it an after, like a sunburn? Well, effect after
3: it was. The fact? It was. You know, it always would be. You would see these things uh, in the morning. Now, in one case, though, Adam Bly, and they actually got this on tape. Yeah. He was scratched right uh, horizontally across his forehead. Yes, these three scratches that actually bled. Man, I, I think I, I've
5: seen that. I know They showed me the footage of that a long time ago.
4: Uh, Bobby Jr., um, did it ever appear to you? Do you actually see it? And I know there's there's a photo in the book when you, you it was in front of you, uh, Miss Kramer. But did you actually have? Did
2: it appear to you as like a
4: hooded figure or something?
2: Or? Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I was. Uh, I think I was in fifth or sixth grade when that oh happened. Oh God, that's um, rough. I I'd stayed home from school uh, sick, and uh, <clears throat> it was in in the morning, um, and. Yeah, I, I actually saw three figures, um, and I, I described this to uh, to Ryan and, uh, and to the church, and they kind of h- helped me make sense of it. Um, but for years, I didn't even tell anybody it um, until one night. I, I remember I was over at my aunt's house, and I watched some horror movie, and, and she kind of just pressed on me because of how, how my response to it was – uh you know she just pressed me to see what was bothering me and i eventually told her made her promise not to tell anybody right. and uh she told my grandmother who told my parents but um yeah talking about it, it it's always very difficult because you know when you when you hear somebody tell stories like that i mean it, it's kind of hard not to look at the person like like there's something wrong with them you know but uh, the memory i mean it plays in my head as clear as watching you know a dvd um I was laying in bed. I remember watching my mom's minivan pull out of the driveway, um, and and immediately I started hearing this noise. Uh, the only way I've ever described it is, you know, hook up bagpipes to a guitar distortion. Wow. And it started very faint, and it just started getting louder and louder and louder, and I could feel something coming towards me, you know, from outside the room, coming towards the room, basically. And I remember laying in my bed, which was in the back corner of, of, uh, the blue room. And
4: the infamous blue room.
2: I watched this, uh, figure. It was about the size of a, you know, eight or nine year old. Um, but it wasn't solid. It was like static electricity, but you could make out that it was a a human, you know, body. And it came and it kind of skipped into my room and stood at the foot of my bed for a minute and then went right back out the room and i I followed it with my eyes i'm looking at the door and this hooded figure rushed past the door real quick and you know terrified me and then it came and it, it stood in the doorway i pulled the blankets up over my head and the blankets were ripped out of my hands flew to my feet folded and as i'm laying there i'm looking straight up at the ceiling and there was another figure and uh, basically, take like a human body and turn it into like a, uh, a light bulb. And I closed my eyes and screamed, and opened them up, and it was all gone. And the way, the when I told the priest this, the way they just they interpreted it for me was um, the first entity I saw was uh, a spirit that is under control by this uh, demon, which is the hooded figure and. Whatever it was above my bed, they believed it to have been some sort of guardian angel that had came and and put an end to whatever it was trying to do. Um, that was really my first major experience with with what was going on. That's that's the one that plays in my head often. Um, it's it's tough to tough to think about, tough to talk about. Um, you know when you're when you're in school and. and you know, I remember being up in Edinburgh and and sitting in physics class and you know learning all this stuff and very atheist professor. And it's like, man, it, it, if you can describe to me and make sense of some of the stuff I've seen, you know, I, I'll start buying in some of your theories. Right. You know? Yeah, but yeah. Beyond that, I mean, you know, it, it, it's something my dad always says. You know, it kind of puts in. It's it's no longer a question of faith once you see something like that, you know. Right.
0: I guess there's no turning back. Yeah. If you I see mean, something like that it would be impossible. It's, a, it's a, impossible. The,
2: the only answers you get from that are you know, in in the in the Bible and at church. That's it. Right.
4: This actually goes leads into the next the only the last question I have from my uh, listener Ken. Uh, the, the Vatican has a department dedicated to exorcism to this day. No other major religions that I know of have this. What are your thoughts on that? <clears throat> are they hope, hopeless without it? <laughs>
3: Well, I, I, think, you know, you have a, an organization in the Catholic Church that has existed for, uh, you know, over 2,000 years, uh, a lot of wisdom, a lot of learning, a lot of history there, uh, that goes back a long ways. And I just think there's, there's understanding, there's, um, uh, a depth of wisdom that, that goes back to antiquity. Uh whereas many and, and I don't mean to sound derogatory or say one you know one's better than the other, but a lot of the other p- Protestant Christian denominations kind of started out as a blank slate back in the fifteen hundreds and discounted a lot of what they felt was Catholic uh superstition and what I always used to call, you know, Catholic hocus pocus with with you know, dominoes and biscuits and that you know, the Latin and and, and uh uh, uh holy water and candles and now that i understand uh what that all is about and that it in fact works um uh against evil it's not as uh as um, foreign an idea i understand it i'll say
4: Well, a good friend uh well associate of heathers uh we went to go see Lorraine warren that time what did she have to say without having religion as your weapon it, Kind of hopeless situation. You're helpless. Yeah, she yeah. tore yeah. into Absolutely yeah, helpless.
0: Yeah. There was a, they had a question and answer session after she had kind of presented different cases she's been on and um, and I, I think, what was it, a girl that was coming to questioning?
4: questioning. Yeah, religion in general. Yeah. Religion,
0: yeah I feel like
4: Aspect
5: she, of it and
4: she took a stand. Yeah, she like yeah,
5: Lorraine will tell you. Well, I mean, <laughs> what the thing thinks.
3: is, when, when people people want to believe in the supernatural or paranormal and spirits and well, then how can't you then recognize the the wisdom of of religion because that's what mm-hmm. it's all about and based in so. Um, You know, people talk about ghosts and so on. Now, I I can't, I don't think anyone can really tell you why the spirits of individuals that die become a ghost. Usually it's because, you know, their demise, their death, their life was, you know, some related to some tragedy or some tragic event, and they're caught in this kind of nether in-between world between the physical and their eternal de- destination. Mm-hmm. It, could it be the Catholic doctrine of purgatory where they have to spend time in a certain state before they move on? That could be. But ghosts in fact are real. I mean all you have to do is go to Gettysburg some oh, night yeah. and take your cell phone and take a few mm-hmm. pictures of the Black night. I mean darkness and then when you look you, they they're there. You know yeah. you both were there, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, a lot of time there. I mean the last time I was at Gettysburg, I walked outside my 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 our our hotel room and I held my phone up and I and I took some pictures and there they were right in front of me. Um it's amazing. <laughs> uh now I couldn't see them with my with my uh with my eyes but it shows up on the film
0: planning the next vacation. that's right yeah,
4: yeah. That. no uh, actually if there's more there's more listener questions here I a lot of people are interested I'm not gonna get to all of them I'm just gonna get to one more uh jeez um this one mm, This is a little rough uh, okay well this is a good one this comes from a listener and the coordinator of the living Dead festival I was just at um April Evans asks um how did you your extended family and friends take the news of the events that were taking place did they back away or did they <coughs> stay in by you?
3: Well, at, at the time, the only extended family I had, uh, was, was my old, one older brother. Uh, he, he's since deceased, but, uh, he and sorry his, sorry hear that. Yes, yeah, th- thank you. He, he and his family, uh, were very skeptical of what we were experiencing. I would try to explain to him what was taking place and that priests were involved and so on. And, uh, he just wanted nothing to do with it, whether it was, out of concern and fright uh i don't know but uh mm. it, you know they, they just weren't involved in it and uh nor did i want them to draw them into it i was very private about all of this as it was taking place i certainly uh didn't want any publicity and it was a number of years before i really related what happened uh you know beyond four or five people that knew about it
4: and the whole time i was reading it bobby i was wondering about you and your friends and so like did people back away from you or did you have somebody you could confide in uh you mean Friend, after, the, after the book came out or oh. while well, it was all going all on was right? going on and yeah even after the fact and um
2: you know my close friends uh they all they all knew all about it <laughs> um you know it was no mystery to the they, 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 they would... were all at the house and they've all experienced uh, okay. stuff um okay. you know I, I could name off about you know, four or five of my friends right now probably won't even come back into my house because of the things they experienced there. Um, so to hear, uh, you know, priests are coming over for exorcism or, you know, different groups are coming, you know, it was no surprise to them, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I remember uh, when, Parano- when uh, Penn State was there, driving by the house in my buddy's car, looking like, oh, they're in there. <laughs> um, so it, it wasn't anything that like uh, I'd hide from any of my friends or anything they all They all knew from experience you know that right. that it wasn't a joke. I, so. I
3: I often wondered though, especially in the summertime what our neighbors thought I only mean, had one one set of neighbors right behind our house that knew half of what was going on, but when mm. you see, Roman Catholic priests in their full garb <laughs> walking around the outside <laughs> of the house with holy water. You like four and, corners you know, of your house. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's going on over there? over <laughs> there. Now, do you
5: guys still have, um, when you found the old paper with like the curse and the drawings, Ooh. do you still have all that stuff yes. or did you get rid of oh, it? Oh,
3: wow. No, I, I have, have that. It. Yes, yeah. I have. I still have, um, uh, and I probably shouldn't, but I, I still have uh, some of the wallpaper with the... Uh, the blood-like substance on it. Um,
4: you don't have the doorknob. I know that. <laughs> or
3: the doorknocker. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, like, yeah all,
4: all off, off the Tenth Street Bridge, yeah, right? longer River. <laughs> yeah, oh,
3: that's um, right. That's right.
4: With the blood, though, that you went actually. See, so you, you went one step further every time. You know, you went and had the blood tested, and it well, was the, the substance, the substance, it, whatever. It, wasn't, yeah. it certainly
3: looked like blood, um, but I had it tested by two different laboratories. The first laboratory. Um, and again, wh- wh- who do you? Wh- what kind of lab do you go to? Right. There are labs that test for different things. So the first, I worked for an engineering company at the time that did a lot of uh, mold and mildew type uh, testing for buildings. So I sent it to that lab, and and they were able to say that it was nothing that was naturally occurring. It wasn't mold. It wasn't mildew. It wasn't any kind right. of growth. It didn't, you know, appear on the walls uh through nature, so to mm. speak. Uh later on I had the substance um, analyzed again um, and in this that time in a in a in a purer form um, and they were able to tell me what it consisted of mm-hmm. um the different components they said as i recall it had some carbohydrates in it like you know carbohydrates as in some food wow. but at the same time it had some sulfuric type uh, uh chemicals uh that seemed to you know uh, it made no sense as to why these different substances were mixed together <laughs> and uh, they couldn't say, you know, this is Red Sherry Pop or <laughs> Soda or this is Mr. Clean. Uh, it, it, they said it, it had different uh, different uh, substances that had made no sense that they would be together, and they certainly could not explain how it got, got on the walls throughout the house. And, and, again, I'm not saying just, you know, one wall or one drop talking about throughout a three-story
4: house. Yeah, amazing. And it kept happening with the stench in the house yes, as well. Exactly. Uh, the and there were
3: puddles <laughs> of and stuff on the floor and it was just
4: yeah, um, kind of maddening. Both, was it Jessica and, and your wife found the, the, the scent of amniotic fluid in the house and that gets back to what you're talking about, the history of the doctor. and Because he used to cleanse his hands in those tubs where they smelt that. Yes. Is that, and yes. He, he performed the horrible horrific operations, mm-hmm. the abortions and on uh, late term children basically uh yeah they, they a lot of kids died and a lot of women died too right During well, the well
3: i mean not yeah. a lot oh, uh, connie said at least one oh, at least one, one oh, okay. woman died as a result of abortion a botched abo- abortion um she didn't die in the house Sorry. but she died afterwards
4: just the history of that house and that's yeah. what you, that's all you missed earlier heather we're talking about the history I, do you have any questions on that forum? I mean, going back um, to, like,
5: oh man, there
4: was so much, like yeah, all there was a lot. It just kept hitting you as you read this book.
5: Um, yeah, try
3: to
4: organize it all. Oh, man, no. <laughs> yeah, that,
5: I thought about writing a book too, and just thinking of how to organize like things like that. Like a huge chunk of your life is so hard. I don't know how you.
4: For, four that. years. This went on for you for how long? It was was it?
3: Well, you know, the Three. actual battle was yeah. a little over two years. Okay, but the the story, the story covered, uh, really. From when we moved in in the late '80s on through into you know 2006, and then I also added to that, uh, you know, the background of the of the town that I lived in and growing up there and so on, and how this this town in a way uh, was affected as the town well. Of yeah. yeah, it was affected in a negative. It way It seemed to seep out well. through
4: the town. All right. Well, we're going to come back with our final segment here and close um, with our our guests here very special guests with the demon of brownsville road bob kramer and bob kramer jr and miss heather taddy and miss d in the house and uh we'll get back to you real quick and say good night um and that's about it all right folks we're back with our final segment here a very special episode here um i have to ask mr kramer this one and bobby feel free to chime in too uh I don't know how much input you'll have on this, but you know more than I do. The same forces that wanted to get you out of the house also brought you to it. You said you used to walk by the house and you were drawn to it. Um, is that something you want to talk about, like where that goes, or is that something you want to keep in the book?
3: Well, excuse me. that's right. <clears throat> I don't think particularly that the evil forces drew right. me to the house, um, as as uh, the Catholic priests and Miss Valente. Uh, pointed out that there there must have been some kind of uh, uh, you know divine destiny uh, in the telling of this story and what we experienced you know not so much in in, in me or my family being you know touched or special that this story that this situation that existed existed for a reason uh, that I was particularly drawn to it uh, my personality my uh, my talents to write, to speak, to represent a story in a credible fashion and to tell it. I, I think there was a divine plan that evil would be confronted in the way it was, um, that we would be successful because of uh, God, and that this story would then be told mm-hmm. as a testimony and a witness uh, for people to understand that the supernatural, that the divine and the satanic do in fact exist, a, a greater plan, so to speak. Mm. Um, again, not not for so much, you know, my uh, publicity or anything. I'm a I'm a part of it, but you know, when when a job is designed and put together, especially if God is doing it, He's going to make sure that the right people or the people have the right talents to do it. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, my personality and and is in fact, uh, different, Strong. so to speak. <laughs> I don't think most people would have, uh, you know, uh, st- hung in there, so to speak. And again, that's just the way, the way, uh, the way I'm put together. But in fact, I think that there was some type of, uh, plan that drew me to the house, that brought us back to the house, that Years later, when when I left the military and we moved back to Pittsburgh, uh, we didn't particularly look to live in Brentwood. And at the same time, we were moving back. This house was ready to come on the market, right. and and we purchased it. So it seemed that there was uh, a divine hand uh, involved here uh, to uh, to reveal this story
2: before it was on the market.
3: Yeah. Oh, it never did make it to the market. It was right. never advertised. We were the first and only people to look at the house. <laughs> wow.
4: And that goes back to
3: the Maleks. We're going back to them. Um there was a weird term there, um
4: a notorious term in the Bible, Moloch, or is it Moloch? Uh, Moloch. Molech, Okay. Yes. Which you th- you tied that in with the name of the people prior.
3: Yeah, it was just an odd coincidence and yeah. uh a Moloch uh and that name came out really from the uh paranormal state folks, the PRS folks, as they were investigating. Moloch is a, uh, a demonic uh, entity in the Old Testament uh, that was worshipped by the Canaanites, and they would sacrifice their children to this god. And I just um, thought it was interesting that the owner's the builders of the house, uh, their name was somewhat similar yeah. uh, to it. Mm-hmm. I Very just thought that was a lot limiting. of strange coincidences. Yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> did you look into that too?
5: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure it? Elfie Elfie figured all oh, that out. Yeah. They, just, they, they knew Elfie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure she just figured all that out. Um, but do you do you do you think the Maliks? If they're are they still alive? Do you know? Oh, do you no, keep, no, Okay, no, they,
3: were, they yeah, they, 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 they. I mean, these folks were. Uh, born, you know, in the mid 1800s. Okay. So. Okay. so.
5: Yeah. Oh no, yes, I bad. mean. Um,
3: you met the ones before. The
5: previous no. owners. Yeah,
3: that's the weird. previous yeah. owners. In fact, are not alive okay. either. Their children are, and one of them has taken great exception with me in uh, mentioning, uh, even though I don't name them, mm-hmm. I give a fictitious name. Yeah. Uh, when I make reference to their parents knowing what they were selling us, they took great exception. Uh, to that, even though I once met one of their sons, and he verified to me uh, that strange uh, happenings took place when they lived there, too.
5: Yeah, I I just wondered what they would have thought about the book.
4: Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, has the book been well-received by people that witnessed it? Like, uh, people like your friend Carrie, I guess? Oh, yeah, completely, completely. Yeah, he's in the book as well, quite a bit. Yes, yes. I didn't get to ask Bobby the Junior this earlier. When you moved back into the room, uh like what happened? What were you drawn back to the room, the, the blue room, I guess, after all that time, or did you? Was it just like a matter of I'm going to overcome this? Like when you went back in there, because that that place was scary as hell for you. So I, well,
3: really, I, I have to intervene. What happened? Our our son David yeah. is the one, not Bobby. Oh, okay. Who, who who decided he was going to take that on and okay. go into that room himself? Okay. Unfortunately, he, he we lost him earlier this year. I did not know that. It, to a, in a, a terrible tragedy, which which <laughs> I have to say, uh, you know, with all that's happened to us over the years, um, I think it's all related. It's all related. I'm, so sorry I'm very
4: that. sorry to hear that. I was going to ask how everybody's doing right now after reading the book. How are you two doing right now? Are, are you still recovering? Or uh,
3: yeah, I, I I I can tell you that. um in, in the the months personally, the months uh, leading up to the airing of this paranormal witness uh, uh, television program, I, I I could feel real uh, oppression against uh, on you know my psyche, and I not not uncommon. In fact, Father Langwin. Uh, the week it aired, uh, had to go back into the hospital again and have, uh, heart surgery. Mm. I mean, uh, when, when you deal with evil, you know, it's dealing with the mob, you know, okay. it's not happy and, uh, you can't walk away. And you, you have to keep vigilant. You have to keep prayerful. You have to keep the right state of mind. And, uh, as I said, this story continues. But I'm going to keep telling it as long as, one, people want to hear it, and, two, I um, I have the ability to tell it.
4: And you were the one that had to eventually cast it out. It was up to you in the end.
3: Uh, myself and Father Mike. Yeah. Uh, yes, and uh, with the help of our dog. <laughs> yeah. Sandy. Right? Yes. Sandy. With the help yes. of our dog. That was something, too. Bobby, did you get, did
4: you get along with that dog, Sandy? We, we talked about Bobby, <laughs> and dogs like to bark at him.
3: <laughs> Sandy, Sandy
2: was like uh, having, a, having a third parent. You know? <laughs> yes. Um, you know, he was, initially, he, was he was, he was, he was, you know, my dog initially and he kind of, uh, was recruited by my parents to be backup and, uh. He was a part of the family. Yeah, you know? that's what you yeah. There's no question. I mean, he, he was, it was just. Terminal stare. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. And that last, uh, that last event when we had mass in the basement. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was so old by that time he could not negotiate steps. Right. And, uh, he stood at the top of the basement steps and barked until I went up and brought him down, because he was so used to being part of wow. the situation, especially when Mass was set. He was mm-hmm. he would sit there with us uh, as, as, it, was, uh, as it, was it was celebrated. Incredible dogs,
4: yes. incredible. Well, there's, yeah, there's a photo in the book, folks, of uh, the terminal stair, where Sandy's at the bottom of the steps staring up at you, and in between the two of you is the specter of this thing, kind of skeletal-looking...
3: The dog Freaky. saw it.
4: Yeah, the dog saw it, and you didn't know till somebody took a picture. Or you took. A
3: well, p- I, I was actually—I had been upstairs taking pictures of the blood-like substance oh, yes. on, on the walls, and as I was walking down the steps, uh, and and turned on the landing uh, halfway down the steps, and saw him looking up at me. With what I called his terminal stare, I simply—again, this is before cell phone cameras—I had a real right. camera, and I just simply held the camera up in front of me and took a picture, and uh, just to do it. And uh, uh, several days later, when my wife uh, had the film developed, she mm. called me from the car and said, "You're not going to believe this one picture here. Did you take a picture of Sandy?" I said, "Yeah." She said, "You got to see this picture.
4: It's very similar yeah. to the pictures that Lorraine Warren had. Oh yeah, nice. she, very yeah. similar, scary similar. You can
5: actually see things. They were it's yeah,
4: scary. very yeah, very creepy. She swears by them too. I had one final question, but if you have something, um, I was going to
5: gonna ask. I really thought the part um, when you talked about Connie revealing all the information about the history of the house was really interesting. And I didn't know if maybe she still ever contacted you, or you still kept in contact with her, if she would tell I you do. more things. I
3: do. I do, and she's a Close friend. In fact, she was of great help to us as <clears throat> when our uh, our son died several months ago. And uh, uh, it, 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 it's 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 really amazing uh, the insight the woman has. And I, I'd say I, I still talk to her about once a month. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I'm
4: very sorry to hear about David. I had no idea. Um, in, in closing, though, I, I did want to ask you if you. Whether you want to talk about the woman with the long black hair that appears, because there are other specters. Is that something you want to stay away from? Well, Save I mean, it it's,
3: yeah, it's, it, it, I do kind of just throw it out there. At, you sure at did. The, at the end of the book, and, uh, I think, I think I'll just leave that for okay. people to read. Yeah. Uh, yeah. B- yeah. Because. I can see my assistant's are like, alright, oh, Dave, stop pushing. <laughs> 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 yeah,
4: whatever. But I appreciate I would,
3: it. I would say I think she's gone. Okay. Which <laughs> is. Probably, I believe she's gone. Okay, Uh, Okay. she was there for a number of years after even the events uh, concluded. She was still there, and Connie uh, had indicated she did not want to leave, Mm -hmm. or she did not want to leave me. We'll we'll uh, leave that that up to the the readers now. Yeah, because
4: there's got to be some. I don't believe in spoilers, and we we told a lot here, (laughs) but I think we tease a lot more. And uh, I think
0: that the book is just so packed packed with information and the history of the area. And then all the events that happen
3: in the house. Well, it kind of comes full circle That's, the way it's designed. And it does towards the we, end. We absolutely. start out. We start out with the one story. I don't tell a whole lot about it. The article uh, from the newspaper, and then at the end, I kind of bring it all tie back together, together again. Yeah. yeah. Well, if
4: you want to tell everybody how to find you and where to get the book, sure. Uh, the
3: book uh, generally is available in uh, in Barnes and Noble bookstores, and but if it's not. Um, you know, amazon.com, barnesandnoble.com, uh, Google Books, uh, available on the internet. Uh, you can look at our website, demonofbrownsville.com. There are, from that site, links to, uh, where to buy the book. Uh, there are links to the various television programs that have aired. Uh, there's a page for all the various media reports, news reports that aired uh nationwide uh there are excerpts from the book, uh, newspaper articles. So everything is there even our Facebook page which mm-hmm. uh Bobby has pretty diligently That's how I found him. <laughs> posted uh all the various radio interviews when I was on coast to coast and uh a number of the of the a number of the, of the radio uh interviews I've done are all on Facebook. So uh you want to know about this story just start out at com and, and you can go in a lot of different directions.
4: It's an amazing story folks. Read the book. That's yes, the best. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Nothing quite like it. I did not expect what I got and boy did I get it. And it's great to meet you guys. Of course I met you at a horror realm so you can't blame blame yourselves for being in this room right now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah it was great meeting you guys and uh, I really thank you so much. Hope to come back sometime. Sure. Maybe uh, we'll talk really. film next time you're here. Yeah maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but uh, as always I'm at fairly dark on Twitter. Where do we find you girls oh
0: uh what yeah <laughs> <laughs> and there it is where can he find you oh Facebook you know
4: that you don't do a uh, classic Tad on Twitter anymore classic yeah I do oh, okay. a while. I don't really
0: update Twitter a whole
4: lot <laughs> And um, I'm at Miss D5 Miss D5 alright well thanks again for listening folks and find me at www.fairlydarkproductions.com all our shows are there happy Halloween
3: Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric
1: Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool.
5: 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys.
0: Electricast.
5: Electrocast.